Mark 1, 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, will the meditation of all of our hearts and the words of my lips be pleasing to you, O my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Spoiler alert right now. I'm going to share a story about a movie. If you haven't seen the movie Finding Nemo, plug your ears now. Unless you want to know what happens. So in the movie Finding Nemo, there's a wonderful story of how Marlin after a harrowing journey across the sea, is reunited with his son, Nemo, who had been taken from his home on the Great Barrier Reef and ended up in the fish tank of a Sydney dentist. And they lived happily ever after the end. Well, not quite, right? If you watch the credits, as the credits roll, you see the fish who had helped Nemo escape from the fish tank And they had freed themselves. While their tank was being cleaned, they managed to roll the plastic bag that they were in along the counter, out the window, across the street, and into the Sydney Harbor. And when the last one reaches the water, there's a collective cheer and a sigh of relief that they all made it. And then the reality of the situation dawns upon them. Bobbing in the ocean... They're still encased in a thin layer of plastic. A large pufferfish breaks the silence with this question. Now what? Now what? It's the question for today, isn't it? The great drama of Advent is over. After their harrowing journey to the manger, Mary and Joseph have welcomed their son into the world. Heavenly host has sung. Shepherds have gone to Bethlehem and seen the Messiah in the manger. Simeon and Anna have rejoiced that they lived to see the light of of the Gentiles and the glory of Israel revealed in the temple. The Magi, who followed the star, paid their respects, left their gifts, and have gone home by another way. This is all good stuff. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? 
And therein lies a challenge for us in January. Now what? Realizing that for all the Christmas fuss, the tree, the rush to buy presents, the cooking, the cleaning, trying to get schedules together so the families can gather to celebrate, the choirs, cantatas, Christmas Eve service, for all we have done throughout the season to prepare for the coming of the Christ child, for all the magic of that season, we are still waiting for Jesus well into January, aren't we? Still waiting for the kingdom to come. Still waiting for the church to thrive. Still waiting for His will to be done in the parched landscapes of our souls. Here, on the other side of Christmas, we find ourselves in the same old world with the same old people and struggling with the same old demons that we have before. On the other side of Christmas, we cannot help but wonder, now what? Even our gospel lesson seems to continue the struggle. We find ourselves back in the wilderness. Remember the escape from Egypt in, in Exodus? They were in the wilderness. We find ourselves back in the wilderness again. Now we're standing in line for what John offers. Forgiveness of sins and a thorough dunking in the grace of God. And even as we wait, we know that every year we will walk the same path through Advent and Christmas and then we'll find ourselves right back where we were before, asking the same question, now what? Then Mark gives us the answer. Mark gives us this answer. So here, on the other side of Christmas, Mark keeps the story going just when it seems the story is over and the credits are starting to roll, just when it seems that we will never get out of the wilderness. Mark continues by saying, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. So our question, now what? Mark gives us the answer, now Jesus. Jesus is the fulcrum of God's dealings with humanity. The past, present, and future of God's activity. John links him to God's promise in Israel's past. As they went, as they too went into the wilderness. Memories of that preparation in, the, in their wilderness to enter the promised land echo here. Mark wants from the very beginning to help us understand who Jesus is. The vision and the voice from heaven that Jesus experiences is a sign for us that indeed He is the divinely appointed Messiah. John's ministry was preparatory. Another one was coming after Him. One mightier was coming. Now what? It's now Jesus. John is baptizing people in the wilderness for repentance and forgiveness of sins 
Jesus, maybe attracted by the message of John, comes down and is also baptized. And in this action by Jesus, God opens the door for much more than simply repentance and forgiveness. What occurs in the scripture today is that John baptizes people in the Jordan, the border. Remember, it's the border between the wilderness and the land of milk and honey. The wilderness is a transition event. Moving from aimless wandering into the home prepared by God for the children of Israel. In baptism, then, we see an invitation to step from right on the edge into the very heart of the now and the yet reality of God's reign. We are baptized into something. A fundamental change happens as part of baptism. For Jesus, the event was marked by the Spirit coming down from heaven and the word of acceptance and affirmation spoken by God to him. In his baptism, and in all of our baptisms, there is a naming and a claiming that takes place. My son, the beloved. So as we come to this Sunday, this story of baptism, we ask now what? And we discover in this text of Mark, it's now Jesus. It's now Jesus. Now the question becomes, what are we to do with our baptism in light of his baptism? Now it's true, baptism might just get you wet. Or it might just change your life. See, in itself, there's nothing magical, nothing magical about a dip into the water. It's an outward sign. Baptism is an outward sign of something that's happening inside of you. The working of God in you. We, like Jesus, are to accept God's Spirit into our very being. So to recognize and accept that we are sons and daughters of God moves us into possible dangerous territory as disciples and witnesses. Sometimes we don't necessarily welcome the spirit that tore open the heavens and descends to each of us. The image of a wild, fiery, flaming spirit scares us sometimes. We're more used to a sweet, sweet spirit, aren't we? In baptism, though, we discover that, like Jesus, the Spirit fills us and claims us, but then drives us out into the wilderness. Just like the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, baptism calls us into previously unfamiliar territory and then challenges us to move into the promise of our future. Often, I wonder how often we think about the significance of baptism might have for our lives. We probably don't think about it all that often, do we? But baptism is important because of what God does in it. 
Jesus was baptized, and I doubt, I doubt that Jesus ever walked by the Jordan River, or maybe even any river for that matter, without thinking about the day of his baptism. How the heavens opened and heard the voice of God declaring God's love with confidence. It's the same true for us as we pass by the baptismal font or the lake or a river or the ocean wherever we were baptized. Do we think about that? Friends, we are chosen by God. We count. And we will never be the same again. Facing the water, we ask, now what? The answer resounds from our souls. And if we stand and we proclaim, now, Jesus. Jesus is the one we point to. Jesus is the reason. Now what? What do we do now? Advent and Christmas is over. Now we look to Jesus as example. It's being baptized and being filled with the Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is hymn number 347, Spirit Song. I'll invite you to stand and sing. The altar is open to come, kneel and pray. The baptismal font is still open. As we proclaimed earlier when we baptized Lindley, Baptism does something to us. I invite you, if you're willing and able, to come forward during the singing of our closing hymn. Touch the water. Remember that you are baptized. Now that's a little different from the liturgy we're used to. The liturgy in the hymnal says, remember your baptism. But many of us, maybe we're baptized as infants as I was. I don't remember that. But I could remember that I am baptized. So I invite you to come during the singing of our closing hymn. Touch the water as a way to remember that you are baptized. Let us stand and sing together.